0: If it was really about the pregnancy and not about control, we would have paid family leave. We would have child care options for them.
1: I feel like we pick up the pieces of the other doctors where they will not take care of patients for whatever moral reason they have. And these women are either turned away or not treated. I mean, that's abandonment.
2: I think if I sat down with someone who was very, very pro-life and I said, these are the things I've seen this week, they would understand how women get to the point of needing an abortion. But we don't
3: talk about it. As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances and to cross state lines to freedom of choice. For their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from the front lines, from those seeking abortion care, and the heroes who helped them along the way, one journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. Portions of this podcast were recorded prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Due to the evolving nature of criminal and civil liability since the Supreme Court decision, several participants in this episode have asked to remain anonymous. Some names have been changed and voices modified. It's early May 2022, just days after a bombshell leak from the Supreme Court. An early draft of a coming
4: Supreme Court decision suggests that by this summer, a majority of the justices will
5: overturn Roe v. Wade. Alito writes in this draft majority opinion, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. We
6: hold that Roe and Casey must be overturned. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives.
3: If Roe is overturned, Existing trigger laws will severely restrict or entirely ban abortions in about half of the United States. Arizona is one of those states. In Phoenix, the Camelback Family Planning Clinic is an indistinct brick-and-glass one-story office building on the northeast corner of the city. It's one of only nine licensed abortion clinics in the Grand Canyon State. I'm a family physician. I lived in Phoenix almost 30 years Dr. Gabrielle Goodrick founded the Camelback Clinic in 1998. With her generous smile and bright aqua glasses, she immediately puts patients at ease. I'm the owner and
1: medical director, and then the other four doctors work according to their schedules. Some of the doctors have other full-time positions, and so they'll work here between two and four days a month, and then a few of us do this full-time. The medical part of my job is probably the easiest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the patients have so many challenges in terms of scheduling, getting them in quickly, getting them financial assistance through our local funds. That can be challenging. I joke that the other doctors that work for me can come in and be doctors, but I have to be like business, administration, payroll, HR, and the doctor <laughs> all at once. In 1998 in Arizona, there were no regulations. It was just like any other medical outpatient procedure. I started out in a very friendly state that was supportive and didn't interfere with regular (laughs) women's health care. Politicians stuck with politics. They didn't try to practice medicine. But I've witnessed it basically going to the other extreme.
3: With nearby states pushing to pass more restrictive abortion laws, folks are streaming into Arizona. Appointments at Camelback are first come, first serve. There's no calling ahead. You just need to show up and wait. The earlier the better. Like you would for a blockbuster movie. But this ticket is for reproductive freedom.
0: I think we found a beautiful way to do it, or at least the only way we can do it in our small clinic, having people line up for consents.
3: So the people who show up every day are being seen, right? That's Dr. Sarah Valliere, a physician from Dallas who flies into Phoenix regularly to perform abortions at the clinic. We're seeing up to 22 people a day.
0: And there was a period of time, too, where they were lining up at 1 AM, and there would be upwards of sometimes 40 people in line. We don't have the physical capacity to see that many people.
4: Go
6: ahead, darling. My pleasure.
3: It's just after sunrise on a Tuesday, and prospective patients begin to line up in the parking lot, finding shade where they can. Friends and family must wait for patients outside, leaving car doors open to handle the oppressive heat. Some nap, others have brought kids. Many have driven overnight to get there. Good morning.
1: All right. Can I get your first name, please? And a good phone number for you this morning. Just to confirm that that's your phone number?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, you're going to be part of my group one this morning. You're going to be texted as we're done checking in those first morning appointments. Okay. So you can go ahead and wait in the car, wait for that text. Once you get that text, then you can come inside. Face mask and a valid ID are needed to be inside the building. Do you have any okay. questions? No, that's okay.
4: You're all set. Thank you. My
3: pleasure. Good morning. First name? Everyone in line is waiting for their chance to get an ultrasound and mandated consent meeting with the hope that they can get an abortion 24 hours later.
6: Are you from out of town?
7: actually sorry so all of my spots are filled up for today um so the best thing i could tell you right now is to try tomorrow or any other day of the week monday through friday is there
6: any other way i could like schedule
7: so for the initial walk-in we don't schedule it's only on a walk-in basis first come first serve
3: meanwhile inside the clinic the staff's busy day begins
8: How about
7: family planning? We're able to do up to 23 weeks. Okay. So you're still really early. If you want to try coming back Monday through Friday, we open at 8, but we usually ask people to be here by 7 a.m. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good
6: day. Usually we'll have too many people out there and we just have to say, did you travel far? Do you feel like you're further in the pregnancy? If now. they meet those two criteria, then the girls will go ahead and try to work them in. But I've I've had girls that are like, oh, I waited two days in a row. This is my third day.
3: As patients enter, they're greeted by Addy, who sits behind a glass partition featuring a sign that reads, we persist. I sit behind bulletproof glass. We have a nice big microphone to communicate with them. We have cameras like all over the office just to make sure nobody comes in and acts all crazy. Camelback clinic is small And music is always playing, aiding in privacy against thin walls. Those same walls are covered with whimsical artwork.
7: There is a big canvas of two women with large butts riding two horses that also have large butts. Probably the best part about this is that the women riding the horses have only tube socks on. I love this sign right here, reasons why women have abortions. Because it's nobody's business, 22%. Nobody's business, 8%. Nobody's business, 10%. Nobody's business, 60%. Nobody's business. (laughs) There's just like a couple quotes
3: posted on the walls here. (laughs) Like we're all just trying to hold it together for every woman. Patients put their personal items in lockers, featuring photos of strong women, Eleanor Roosevelt, Shirley Chisholm, Michelle Obama.
2: But then we have some women that you might not recognize, um, or just people from marginalized groups that might not get the credit that they normally deserve. Each of our lockers has a little printed out explanation of what each of these powerful women has done as a reminder for patients that there's life after abortion, and that if you have something big or amazing that you're wanting to accomplish, and that's why you're doing this, that these people are remembered, and we celebrate them, and maybe someone will celebrate you. It doesn't end with this.
3: Although she won't admit it, Dr. Goodrick is one of those strong women.
1: It's my calling. It's what I do. It's what I'm good at. I feel like we're kind of shunned from the regular medical community, yet we pick up the pieces of the other doctors where they will not take care of those patients for whatever moral reason they have, or they're afraid that it it's an abortion and they'll get in trouble.
3: She wonders how this aligns with the doctor's sacred oath to do no harm. We
1: just had a patient yesterday with advanced cancer with paralysis from cancer metastases to their spine paralyzed. Medicaid will not cover the abortion, or they won't do it at the hospital because they don't do abortions. So I'm not sure what a medical emergency would be, but this seemed to qualify in my eye, but she did her procedure here and then she went to get her cancer treatment. How could doctors turn her away? We had a patient once who was awaiting heart transplant, became pregnant. Doctors said, we're taking you off the list because you're pregnant. We'll see you in nine months. They also told her if she continues the pregnancy, she would probably die because when a woman's pregnant, it can increase their cardiac output by like 40%. So basically they told her, sorry, we can't help you. And she came to us to get the abortion and then she could get back on the transplant list. Women have premature rupture of their membranes in the second trimester. The doctors will literally not do anything because the fetus maybe still has a heartbeat, but it's 100% inevitable that they're going to lose this pregnancy. They're at risk for infection, stillbirth, sepsis, dying, hemorrhaging, and these are wanted pregnancies. And these women are either turned away or not treated.
3: I mean, that's abandonment. Patients travel hundreds, sometimes over a thousand miles, to reach this small, independent clinic, which operates without public funding.
1: Our volume increased tremendously, almost 30% since COVID. I think 3,500 patients last year. Dr. Drew lets us be ourselves and we want to make this a very positive, happy and chill environment. And if we're like dressed in hyper professional clothes and wearing listening to easy listening music in the back like it's it sets like a weird tone
6: they feel like our nurses do take the time try to make it as pleasant as possible safe as possible maybe they had an abortion somewhere else there was trauma they may say i don't want to do a procedure because my other procedure was so uncaring and and instead of them holding my hand, they were telling me I need to be quiet. And if they need us, they, you know, we we pick up the phone. We are available twenty-four-seven. You're not gonna get that at a lot of other places.
3: Dr. Valier does her small part in the larger reproductive freedom battle, one that she feels she must help win, even if that means traveling from Texas.
0: They want us to give up and go away, and I just, I can't let that happen. What I find useful is really doing the hard work and then flying into places where I'm really needed. This is a massive state and there are under 10 abortion clinics feeding the entire state. And it's it's just mind-boggling, I mean people travel from all over this state too to get here. There's such a need in Arizona, and there are just not
3: enough providers. In the two-day process that Arizona mandates, few of the tests and exams that patients must endure serve a necessary medical purpose.
0: Arizona state law requires a pelvic exam prior to abortion. It also requires an ultrasound. I can gather all of my medically important information from an ultrasound, which is far more objective than doing a pelvic exam. It is one million percent unnecessary to their actual abortion care. It is something that is done, in my opinion, just to make abortion that much more uncomfortable for the patient. And it's far more invasive and it doesn't align with trauma-informed care. So they're forced into it because men
2: who have never given or received an abortion.
0: The Republicans in this state that push it through legislation with minimal medical background. They don't
3: care. The Camelback staff shares why they are committed to providing abortion care.
2: There are thousands of reasons why women get abortions and our legislation is never going to be able to account for all of those reasons
3: i actually was in the foster system my mom's husband at the time like sexually molested me and my sibling i grew up quicker than most kids so i like learned to cherish what i have
7: for the people who think it's a good thing that they have to suffer for their abortion how insensitive are you you've never try to think about the circumstances that other people are in.
2: I think if I sat down with someone who was very, very pro-life, and I said, these are the things I've seen this week, they would understand how women get to the point of needing an abortion. But we don't talk about it. Today, I had a patient that was from Texas
7: and was a rape victim. I don't know if she was 13 or 14, but she was real young.
2: The one that hits me closest to home is literal children. How do I have patients born in 2008? It happens every week. We get children all the time.
6: People feel like they need to explain why they're here because they feel like they have to justify how bad things have gotten
2: and why they need this done. Abortion's never an easy choice. I've never met someone who's happy to be here. They just need to
0: be. And so the number of clinics reduces, but the number of patients needing the care does not reduce and they're waiting longer. And the the thing about waiting longer is that the risk does increase as your gestational age increases. And so these burdens delay care and put them in a
3: more unsafe position. Which begs the question, whose life matters more?
0: It's all about the fetus and not about the human being in front of them already. Mm -hmm. I think it is all about control. If it was really about the pregnancy and not about control, then we would have services to support these individuals giving birth. We would have paid family leave. We would have childcare options for them. If it was honestly, about like protecting the lives of these pregnancies, then why is there nothing in place for once they're actually with us yeah. <laughs> on this earth? Like There's nothing to support them. And that's how you know it was never actually about protecting the lives of these children. It is all about control.
3: And this can lead to control extending beyond the womb.
2: You cannot prove a miscarriage was not an abortion. So if abortion is illegal, miscarriages are illegal. One in four women have a miscarriage. They're now felons. One in four women have an abortion. They're now felons. Wow, seems like a lot of women are now unable to vote.
3: The reasons people choose abortion may vary. But all of them are private. For those in line today at Camelback, the decision didn't come lightly. Samira crossed over Arizona state border for the procedure. She's requested her real name and voice be changed. An exam in Texas revealed that Samira's fetus has an anomaly. Yet under Texas law, she
5: would be forced to carry to term. Okay. Good morning. My name's Rose. I'm one of the nurses here. I'm going to be. Getting you going today, and um, I see that you came in from Texas, Mm -hmm. is that correct? That's correct. So you flew out here by yourself, yes? And so did you have to take time off work to do that? And leaving my two kids behind. And leaving your two kids behind. Did you have to find someone to take care of them while you were gone? Yes,
3: I have to arrange some arrangements for them while I'm gone. Okay. Misconceptions about abortion are widespread. Recent data shows that 6 in 10 women who seek abortion care are
5: already mothers. How long do you expect to be over here in Arizona?
3: I do
9: know because I came here now for the consultation and when is the earliest appointment I can get so I can go safely home to my kids. All right.
5: And I see on your paperwork that you wrote down that you have fetal anomalies. Yes. So you've had testing done in Texas? Yes. What are the anomalies that they say that the... Triple
3: X syndrome.
5: Triple X syndrome. Triple X
3: syndrome is a chromosomal abnormality that only occurs in girls. Nurse Ashley explains what that means.
7: Her pregnancy has uh, three X genes. So the X chromosome is a female chromosome. So triple X is just a third X chromosome. They can have like major mental disabilities, they can have other physical disabilities. So we're just gonna do the best we can for it.
5: And your doctor in Texas is aware of that, obviously. Yes. What was their advice to, for you to do?
9: So they sent me to the counseling and then my next appointment was with the fetal veter- maternity something. But whatever counselor explained to me and listening to that I don't want it to continue mm-hmm. because I have already two kids and uh, I'm not financially that stable bringing that child in the world and of course suffering that child too it's not easy. Right. So it was my decision to to just
5: let it go. Okay. 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 So why don't you go ahead and come on over here, hon. And just hop up there. All right. So I see 15 weeks and three days. Samira is anxious for what comes next.
3: Hi,
4: hi, Dr. Zipkin. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Let's see. All righty. So look, you've already read the consent, you've signed it. I just want to ask you if you have any questions about anything with the procedure. I'm you needn't be. We are going to take very good care of you. It is a very simple, safe procedure. I just wanted to get it done. And that's... Well, that's what's going to happen, okay? Not to worry. We're going to take very good care of you. You won't be feeling it. You won't be aware of anything going on. You really won't be. Not at all. Okay? You're going to do. These
9: laws are just making it so difficult for
4: moms. So difficult. It's awful. And I, I don't understand why women don't just sort of rise up and block and just sort of vote all these people out. Yeah, sad. Questions? No, doctor. Thank good. you so much. It is a pleasure, thank really. You. Lovely to meet you. Thank we'll you. take very good care of you. Thank Come you. on out. Let's get you scheduled, thank OK? You. If you go right through this door and the purple door, my nurses will help you.
3: As a politically divided purple state, Arizona is facing its own upcoming attacks on access to abortion care. Emboldened by SB8's success in Texas, the Arizona legislature recently passed a 15-week ban on abortions, which will be triggered if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Eloisa Lopez is executive director of Pro-Choice Arizona and runs their practical support fund. She knows firsthand that these laws hit the poorest and the most vulnerable the hardest.
8: We are here to hopefully ease that burden on people and just help them get the care that they need. Our focus is to always meet people where they're at and do our best to get care as soon as possible. The callers that we work with are primarily coming from marginalized communities. They are facing economic barriers. Over 70% of our callers are people of color. And then we're seeing about 67% of those needing care after 15 weeks. About 60% or higher are already a parent to at least one child. Many of them are in a single-parent household.
3: The fund helps patients with financial and logistical support so they can access reproductive health care wherever they need it. Her team fields calls daily from those seeking help to cross state lines. With each gestational
8: stage, the price will go up. So six to eight weeks, on average, about $600. Once you reach about 16 weeks, you're looking at $1,000, and all this is out of pocket. Our state Medicaid program does not cover abortion care. A majority of of people in this country don't have an extra $600 in their savings account. And if we have this gestational ban at 15 weeks take effect, the likelihood of people being able to afford traveling out of state is not going to be possible. And so this is where our abortion fund... We'll be pressed for more financial resources to make sure that we can help people get out of state.
3: Despite the likelihood of Roe being overturned, Dr. Goodrick is in the process of expanding her clinic.
1: I've been in my current suite 17 years, and so it's time for an expansion. I mean, even if our volume stayed the same or went down, we still need more space because we're crammed into 2,400 square feet with 14 employees and 40 patients or more coming through per day. And so we're gonna do surgical services on this side, and then we'll have medical abortions and consents and more gyne stuff on the other side. A lot of people think I'm crazy, because, you know, Arizona just passed a law banning abortions (laughs) over 15 weeks. But I've been doing this long enough to know that there'll always be a need, and we'll figure it out. It's an essential part of healthcare for women, so it's not gonna go away, (laughs) no matter what the laws are.
3: After the 24 hour state mandated waiting period, Samira returns to the clinic.
1: Hey friend,
2: um, we're gonna go back and pick your stuff in the locker before we get started. Um, this tea stays with you throughout the entire procedure today. So we'll only grab stuff at the very end before you leave um, and we'll bring it straight to you.
3: Ashley, one of the clinic's nurses, helps to calm Samira's anxiety. Take some deep
7: breaths, my friend. You're gonna do fine. No, you're fine. Deep breaths. All right, so I have some medications for you to take. One's an antibiotic, the other one's an anti-nausea. And then the mesoprostol that you're gonna tuck in your cheeks. When we take you to the procedure room, we'll get you all going with an IV, with monitoring equipment. Like I said, we use twilight sedation here. Most people are asleep. The procedure's about five minutes. There's no sharp objects or cutting after the procedure's over you're in the recovery room for an hour and then when you get into the recovery room we'll call your family to to let them know that you're safe after the procedure today you're probably going to be a little bit out of it so don't make any big decisions today don't sign anything today don't drive today but you should be fine tomorrow tomorrow yeah
9: i'm 100 sure about my decision but the
7: procedure of Feeling the pain. And- Let me give them your paper. It can be very anxiety-inducing, I understand. Yeah, anxiety. Yes, um. we do. Okay. All right, okay. So these are the ones you swallowed, the antibiotic, the anti-nausea. Should you swallow? Yeah. And then do you want us to call you to check on you tomorrow, or would you prefer to call us if you need something? You
0: can call
7: me. Okay, we'll call you in the morning then, just to make sure you're doing okay.
3: It's the day after Samira's abortion procedure, and she's staying nearby. Ashley calls to check in on how she's doing. Hello?
7: Hi, this is Ashley. I was your nurse yesterday.
3: Yes, yes, she
7: Are you having any discomfort or any problems?
9: No, so far I'm okay. Uh, My bleeding is light and uh, I am just i just have little cramps. So I am traveling back to Texas, uh, I think, Saturday. So I want to know that you guys have uh, done all the ultrasound, right?
7: Yeah, everything looked great on your last ultrasound picture. You are definitely not pregnant.
9: Okay, one more question, Ashley. Sure. If I have some problem, but uh, being this law imposed, will you guys be still be able to treat me with whatever problem I would have?
7: Yes, we can treat you. And because you're not no longer pregnant, if you mm-hmm. need emergency care, in texas you can still receive that i mean they can uh, oh okay i mean because you're not pregnant that law is no longer applicable to you okay you don't have to tell anyone anything you don't want to tell them because i was so comfortable yesterday with you guys you were
9: you did such a good job so if i want to come back to see you guys for any reason you will be still able to see me right
7: yes 100 percent. yes
9: okay that was my question.
3: Thank you so much for everything. While Samira can finally return to her family, thousands of other women will face similar challenges due to their lack of access to safe, reproductive health care. Eloisa from ProChoice Arizona knows personally what it can mean when women are denied this care.
8: After I had my first child, I found myself in an abusive relationship. I lived through domestic violence for a couple years, and then I had a second pregnancy in a domestic violence relationship. I have two children with my abuser, and I'm in the family court system. So I know what it is like to be attached to my abuser through my kids, essentially for the rest of their lifetimes, right? It is not an easy road. We're forcing people to keep pregnancies not understanding the gravity of the situations that they are in, we cannot be forcing people to remain attached to, um, you know, abusive partners through children, uh, through unhealthy situations through children, right? In, In a way, it's like children end up becoming the collateral damage. So my personal experiences have really grounded me in this work, and it's not an option to stand by and not do anything about it.
3: She also notes the risks for pregnant women, particularly around maternal health and mortality rates. I don't
8: think the public is aware of how serious it is, and not just for abortion care. When we're criminalizing pregnant people for the outcomes of their pregnancy, when we're refusing care in hospital settings, we're going to see a lot of people die. We're going to see the infant mortality rate increase. You are... Placing children in situations that are not going to be healthy, there will be a lot of trauma. People will seek their own ways to have their own abortion. So these bans will never stop abortion. They will just make them harmful and unsafe for people.
3: For Dr. Valier, who continues to travel from Texas to Arizona, the fight to provide abortion services isn't over.
0: I am not giving up. I'm in this for the long haul. It's just what my career will look like will change. We are going to all make a change. Can I establish a clinic on the border of Mexico? What kind of underground work can I do? Can I volunteer for self-managed abortion? We got to be savvy. Got to do something.
3: Dr. Goodrich still has hope.
1: Mexico has decriminalized abortion. Argentina has decriminalized abortion. And this is after making things restrictive. And I think as facts become available and if abortion does become more restrictive and women have to go to blue states to get care, I think it'll swing the other way and people will realize that this is essential care. See you tomorrow. Great. Bye, Um, Sheila. See you
7: tomorrow. Bye, Dr. I Love you. See you soon. You're a great great teacher. (laughs) I'll
8: second all of
1: that. Yeah. You know, if women stepped up to change the medical system, we have the power to force physicians to take care of their patients and to provide these things. Because when abortion was legalized in 1973, it was considered one of the best things that ever happened in medicine.
3: Roe v. Wade was overturned on June 24th, 2022. Five days later, on June 29th, Arizona's Attorney General reinstated a 158-year-old law from 1864, when Arizona was a territory, not a state. The law criminalizes anyone who facilitates a procedure that causes a miscarriage or abortion. This comes with a prison sentence between two to five years, effectively banning all abortion in Arizona, with no exceptions in cases of rape or incest. This is Crossing the Line. Some names have been changed to protect the identities of those participating. This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Demonenko. Co-producer is Kathleen Bedoya, and associate producer is Dominica Ruelas. This episode is field produced by Joanna Friedman, edited by Bruno Falcon, with production services provided by Pidge Productions, with production coordinating by June Neely. Impact Strategy is led by Charity Twos, and original music is by Valerie Ortiz. Narration is read by Tatiana St. Fard. Special thanks to Camelback Family Planning Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, its medical director, Dr. Gabrielle Goodrick, and the entire staff and volunteers. Also, thanks to Eloisa Lopez in Pro-Choice Arizona and Planned Parenthood. And, of course, to all those who shared their stories with us. An additional thank you to our partners, power to decide AbortionFinder.org, and Plan C Pills. Check out ctlpod.com for new episodes, abortion resources, and information on how to take action. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.